Garfield, uh, maybe I just haven't seen him in enough things. Because really, I think it's just Amazing Spider-Man. Social Network, he was super good. Oh, that's right. He wasn't oh, Social Network. Oh, you need to watch him in things. His look reminds me a little bit of Christian Haydenson. <laughs> you know what's really funny? Speaking of Christian Haydenson. So I'm watching Timeless. And the lead guy in it. I'm like, God, I know him from something. I cannot figure out what I know him from, but like, I know him. I know him. He's in my soul. Like, how do, do I you... not know him? And I realized he's the voice of Anakin in uh, Clone Wars. And like most Did of the Star Hayden Wars Christensen, anime. Christensen, by the way? Oh, is that not who he said? You said what? Christian Haydenson. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear that part. Did I? Oh, you did. <laughs> and I was like, that's, well, that's not it though. <laughs> Like, you know what? I knew I was there yeah, with you, you, and I you knew. Exactly I know, and I was like, I think he means Anakin, but I'm like, is there an actor that I don't know that's called? That's like the inverse of Anakin. It's named Christian Hadenson. It's like okay. after his career tanked, he you came. I was like, no, no, I'm not. Cake. I'm not. I'm uh, I'm Christian Hadenson. I'm not that guy. I'm a totally different man. Don't tell people that. Don't, don't blow up my spot. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and Stanley's Pizza Place. This is episode number eleven. I Lucky pour another drink. Number eleven. Oh, keep going. Fair it's like enough. A fifth grader. Um, we legitimately left. It's just it, me. Jake has, we haven't even started, and Jake has walked away. Uh, my name is Caleb Lacey. I am your uh, one of your hosts for this episode, as always. With me as our moderator this week is Mia Fully Perrin. Hi, Mia. You, yeah, didn't introduce me first because Jake's not here. It's true, I did. But Jake is now back, and I will introduce as the other host, uh, <laughs> Jacob Itchy Pizza Finger Cody. That's not my name. <laughs> I heard it was. I think it was, that's, that's a lie. It's a lie that the official that big title, pizza told. The big pizza. Ooh, I don't know if I like that. Maybe I do. All right. Do you um, want to be Caleb the big pizza? <laughs> it's not a terrible nickname. Friday's a weird energy, gang. Friday is a strange energy. So I'm, we're, I'm for it. It's better recording, than the energy. I, I kind of like this after 5 p.m. energy we have. <laughs> I think it's just that Jake's had alcohol. I, I had really one are. drink, and I just figured I should have one to have during. So, you know. If I had so one two. drink, one. this would not be going well two. for the three of us. Just so we're clear. Well, we'll do one where light. you have we'll a do drink. do that for the, for the finals. We can, but it can't Everybody be where I'm moderating us. anything because okay, I will not fair. remember what I'm doing. Well, it is five, past five o'clock on a Friday. I'm having a beverage, damn it, before Memorial Day weekend. You're a grown adult. Speaking of which, this episode will release on Memorial Day. So happy Memorial Day, everybody. If you're To looking. you happy and yours. I hope yeah. you got the biggest goose to cook for it. This week, we are continuing the... Do, do you have a bracket name for this section? Last week, oh, I should have. Last two weeks was the Sweet 16. Sinister Six. Yeah, I mean, this is technically known as the something, something. Oh gosh, I'm so unprepared. No, I don't. It's just the eight, the eight people. The evil eight. The, the evil eight. eight. Jake did Jake. it for me. Way to go, Jake. I'm like, why? The evil Does eight. He here to help. The axis I can be of useful. eight. No um, wait, you're getting further away. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Caleb, you know what that reminds me of? What? Do you know why our podcast is called what it's called? <laughs> why don't you tell Mia and I'll go get myself a drink? <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell Mia since Caleb's leaving. Okay. Um, so, Mia, I'm not sure if you remember this, but it was several months ago now. Tell me uh, now. We were sitting around trying to decide what to name our podcast. Us? And we decided to take a really, really outdated joke and what? combine it with the least loved Marvel film, Edward Norton's The Incredible Hulk, thus no. creating uh, a really timeless name for a podcast. I, I, I'm so in wonder. I mean, yeah, right? that's an origin story for the books. It's like Stanley himself wrote it. it. It is. I'm done. That's the end of my, <laughs> I, my I bit. I teared up. I teared up during that explanation because it was so moving. I hope oh the so, I hope the crack of the the drink is in the episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm back. Hello, everyone. This is the ASMR episode of Two Guys a Girl and Stanley's Great Pizza thing. Place. I'm gonna make them move. I'm gonna make them move. I like Jake's NPR voice, and I request that he uses that for the rest of the episode. Ooh. Right, so uh, we're going to get started tonight on the <laughs> Evil Eight Bracket. And you, just going to have a little sip of my rye whiskey. Really weird energy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we should always record in the evening. Okay. I'm not the moderator. You're the moderator, Mia. Yeah, but normally <laughs> this there's a handoff job. moment. There's a moment where you're like, all right, Mia, do things. I right, think I'd just like to apologize that I think I've thrown everything basically off course so far this whole episode. So I will be quiet and I will let us get to where we need to go. My okay, apologies. friends. So we are revisiting our March Madness style competition where we've broken up our villains into brackets to see who is the biggest bad of the MCU. So just a quick recap on the rules. My role is as mediator and moderator and ultimately the decider as Jake and Caleb duke out these battles based on the whim of the wheel. So they will each be assigned a villain based on um, who wins Who wins the wheel. You're not assigned, you get to pick one. Uh, number two, no infinity stones are allowed in these battles. Uh, these are just the villains with their own natural abilities, strengths, weaknesses, skills, resources, and other things that are not infinity stones. Three, this is meant to be a movie-length battle. So it's not like these two villains are walking down the street and like get into fisticuffs and bite their thumbs at each other. Um, it's legitimately like a movie-length fight, so they have time to plot, plan, and do things. Experian reference. I did. Putting that theater degree to work, Mia. Bring me my longsword. And uh, rule number four, movie cannon. Or sorry, movie cannon. Stark. <laughs> That's more Russian. All right, so movie canon. Just basically, if there's a conflict between comic book canon and movie canon, movie canon wins. Uh, and lastly, um, the guys will each be given three-minute opening remarks. There's two minutes of just straight up arguing with each other or, you know, open discussion. You make it sound so violent for us. That feels fairly civil. There is a one-minute closing statement for each. So that's, that's what we're doing. I just want to say, Jake, your Russian accent with Stark reminded me of Iron oh. Man 2, oh. the worst line in the Marvel Universe uh, coming from Ivan Vanko when he's like, if you can make a god bleed, then there will be blood in the water and the sharks will come. <laughs> and... Listen, it's, <laughs> it's a real line. It's dialogue. A... And last year, Justin Hammer, and then you nail every bit of dialogue you were given. So it's okay. Mm. So that's those are the rules that we're playing by. It'll be a good time. <laughs> and here we go. Okay. So the first battle. So basically what we're doing right now oh, is we dear. are going to be picking the winner of each of our brackets, of each of our divisions rather. Oh, so we have right. so our right. 
I'm so right. Excited. So we have our aliens bracket, our magic bracket, our machine bracket, and our mortal bracket. And they're each down to their final two. So the winners of each of these will be the winners of their respective brackets. So that's the fun part of this episode. Okay. So we're going to start, as always, with the alien bracket. This matchup is between our number one seed, Ego, who is coming off a fisticuffs with Thanos, who Jake tried to defend last week, uh, but Caleb took the throne there and Meh. Ego moved on. Meh. That's what I say to that. <laughs> so, uh, Caleb's champion, Ego, against Gake, Jake's, Jake's, Gakes? I said Gakes. That's not Hi, I'm Gake. <laughs> against Jake's champion, Nebula, our number six seed. Uh, Nebula is coming off a fight with Surtur. Caleb's really bitter about it. We shouldn't probably dig up old wounds. We'll just accept that Nebula was and Caleb's remains Caleb's a little the right bitter choice. about a bunch of these matchups. <laughs> Jake had a big week last week. So what'll be interesting here is to see who the wheel favors and do they pick their reigning champion or do they switch it up? So I'm curious to see how this goes. Anything but, could happen. Anything. Anything okay. at all. Anything. Oh, I'm just bringing back the wheel. Me is on this one. I'm on the wheel. Does this mean at some point I have to defend someone? Oh no, I was just thinking. Then you could choose who gets who. Oh, that's fun. Like I. That assign. is fun. That is okay. Fun. Yeah, I approve. A little, adds a little randomness. I'm also yeah, okay with to this. our audience at home, the wheel is made up of me and Jake, and there is. Uh, it's like, what? What do I have? Three, three slots each of me and Jake, and then one slot of Mia. So if the wheel lands on Mia, she'll just get to a sign, which will add a little chaos to everything. But all right, and I have, of course, as I do every week, have uh, have added new music <laughs> to. So here we go. Could be anything. I huh. laugh every time. Is it pan flutes? Is that what we're <laughs> listening to? It's Celtic music. Caleb's so proud of the music. I was watching him and didn't even watch the wheel spin. I have no idea who won. I was just so excited. It's, it's on your screen. I know, I can't but see. I'm not looking the excitement at that. I won. I won. There's nothing. I can't even see anymore. Caleb. All right. So are you going to pick your champion or are you going to switch it up and take the lady? I am going to go with Nebula. Who? I knew you. I wanted you that to son happen of a bitch. So <laughs> I knew you would do this. Oh <laughs> Didn't man! That laugh was. So... Yeah, you sound like Krusty the Clown. Like, like a dog <laughs> cartoon or something. Yes, <laughs> exactly that. Um, yay! Okay, exciting. So that means that Jake has ego. Caleb has Nebula. Caleb, your opening time starts you now. Okay, I think this movie starts off after uh, after Endgame, and we've got Nebula, who is out in space with the Guardians, looking for Gamora. And uh, while she's doing that, uh, she eventually does find her sister, who uh, Gamora, feeling guilty about what she's done, because this is the Gamora from 2014, um, is going around to different planets and trying to help civilizations that were devastated by Thanos' snap. Uh, and in while do, while doing so, like she, Nebula meets up with Gamora, and uh, they come across a planet that has been completely decimated. Like, I mean, other planets had people come back suddenly. This one seems to have been almost devoured. Like all of its life force has been drained, uh, and unbeknownst to them, 
uh, but what will be revealed to them by meeting a new character called Stellaris is uh, that this is uh, this is a, a return of Ego. Ego has come back somehow, um, and he is going around basically devouring the energy of planets, kind of like Galactus, but in a more of a uh, a way to like just just he's taking material from planets to recreate himself. Um, and so what this turns out to be is uh, because obviously uh, Gamora and Nebula are working with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Star Lord will feel a certain amount of guilt that they'll that this will become their their task. They have to protect the galaxy, so they'll have to track down Ego and defeat him. However, they know that it's going to be much harder to defeat. Uh, and so Nebula, who is sort of leading them at this point. Um, uh, puts together her team with Stellaris and Gamora, and we get to see a first sort of proto-version of the Graces, which in the comics, the Graces is a female supervillain team, yeah, 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 um, that involves Gamora and Nebula and Stellaris, and there's a couple others. Uh, and Nebula, who has worked with, who is working with, you know, Thor is kind of semi on the team. I'm sure they drop him off somewhere at some point. And even in the real MCU, he's going to, I don't think we're going to get the Asgardians of the galaxy. But uh, he tells her about a certain um, weapon that's been used to defeat uh, powerful beings in the past. Oh, crap, where's my, where's my thing? Um, called the Naglifar Beacon. And this is something else I'm pulling straight out of the comics which the Naglifar Beacon was a weapon that Nebula wielded in the comics that calls upon the deceased, uh, the, the souls of the deceased gods who weren't reincarnated, uh, kind of like in Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the, the army of the dead that uh, uh, Aragorn uses in Return of the King. Um, they, they are bound to this beacon. And so, well, they, they go, yeah, and uh, it's, yeah, just a ghost army. And that was time. I feel a little bit like Caleb is uh, trying to please me by bringing up a Marvel intergalactic birds of prey type scenario. This is that lawyer who's done so much research and they walk into the the fucking courtroom and they're like, uh, uh, let's get to work. And they like have like all the briefs and the cases that they've been referencing the whole time. And the other lawyer's like, right, we've all know that we know, we know the cases. Yes. But then up here is this judge who's like, I know, mm, I know. I'm loving it. God almighty. Look, she is the underdog, Jake. You can't. You, you, yeah. She is someone, the someone going up against a planet. Someone has literally. <laughs> you, per, you were literally praying to get this win, to get Nebula. God I was almighty. disappointed in myself last week, Jake. I had to come. I had to come ready this week. Okay, Jake. You have three minutes opening for Eco and Go. First of all, just like you, you already use the argument somehow an ego comes back. And if you're going to use that argument, you can't use it first and foremost. You can't say somehow when you say for my argument last week, well, then how did it work? That's a knock against your argument first and foremost. I'm not going to negate your whole argument. I'm getting into mine. This is a movie that takes place after the two battles that we've already had. I'm setting it in the universe that we have created. Thanos is dead by ego. And because of that, ego has stolen Nebula's kill from her. And the re this is a straight up revenge movie. Think Kill Bill style. I think it's almost framed very similar to Kill Bill, where her whole mission is to try to get to Ego because Ego's still alive at this point. 
Uh, and Nebula has sort of become legendary in the galaxy for her for her kill of Surtur. Um, so she has some notoriety on her side as well going into this uh, because of what has happened. Um, so the movie plays out like you think it would. Like she's going from place to place trying to figure out the best way to possibly kill Ego. Unfortunate this time, it's been given enough time where uh, Ego's plan has come to fruition and he's starting to take over the galaxy. So every time Nebula starts getting close, one of the planets falls. She eventually finds her way uh, using uh, knowing Star-Lord. She teams up with Rocket to get there because Star-Lord has been taken to the planet where he's exactly like how Guardians 2 sort of plays out where they start growing and starts working with him and Pete gets starting to take over. Um, and Rocket and Nebula try to take it with, uh, puts together sort of a ramshackle team of leftover Guardians to take over, uh, to come and try to save Pete and try to stop Ego. Unfortunately, without with, with Pete being stuck there for as long as he had him being held with as much as back as much as he has in the film. And the, the, the guardians weren't there to save like they were prior to this because they were splintered because of when Nebula was off doing this and all of the other villains that were the villain effects that were happening in our universe. Uh, they uh, rocket goes down first uh, group falls shortly thereafter trying to save rocket. Um, Drax is, 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 is heartbroken and, and jumps in um, and no one is able to get into the heart. Um, I will give Nebula the I thought about this pretty heavily that she got pretty close to the bottom of the planet when she drove her ship in to attack Gamora in Guardians 2. But I still don't think that was even close enough to get down to the actual heart of the planet. Uh, and I just don't see any way with which Nebula's actually be able to even using the sneak that we talked about last time, be able to sneak her way down into the actual heart of a planet without anything more without that, that plan on her side and without the, the guardians being united as they were in guardians too. Um, also you have the, just the infinite power of this planet against Nebula. Um, I think that, and there's no true weak spot that we know of besides literally a small nuclear explosion that they happen to have through these, uh, the batteries, uh, whatever Drex calls them in the beginning of Guardians 2, which makes me laugh every single time. Debular batteries or whatever he says. Um, I just don't see it happening. He can do anything. He can do everything. Uh, Nebula, unfortunately, loses. Nice. I am loving both of these movies so much. <laughs> just throwing it out there. And I like, Jake, that you kept us in the canon of our bracket universe. That's really fun. So I appreciate that. Okay. It played into a good story because you know Thanos being dead, like that. Mm -hmm. Just I figured that was there was some good ties yeah, like to, to bind there. So I like it. Okay, boys. I don't know why during the rules I said we had two minutes. That's well, that was the old thing. You have five minutes of open discussion yeah. between the two of you. So, um, yeah, battle, Dukes, go. You know so, what? Go ahead. What, what can get past that like hardcore center? Uh, ghosts. In, well, we don't know. I mean, like, it, ghosts can't just go to the core of the planet and, like, blow it up. Yeah, they can. The so, ghost. The, okay, the, so the are we doing playgrounds where I'm invincible? Sorry, I said time out. You can't go through me. This ghost, <laughs> of course there's ghosts all over the Marvel Universe. <laughs> ghosts are Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is a ghost dog pet in the comics. Just because he's a ghost doesn't mean he can go and sneak his way through and explode a planet. Ghosts don't have that ability. But they, they, the the Naglafar beacon, which is what I, what I'm going with in my in in this story, is it summons like the spirits of all of these ancient uh, trapped gods, and uh, if if even if they couldn't necessarily get through the core, it would be enough to distract ego because we've seen ego even get dist get distracted 
just with the Guardians of the Galaxy, like in the when when uh, Nebula and uh, Gamora fight, Ego is obviously not paying attention to them at that moment because they discover all the skulls of his children. Listen, the Nagelfire so, Beacon's a, a big horn. All right, <laughs> we know it's a horn. It's an Asgardian horn. Um, I'm curious how Nebula is going to get an Asgardian horn that is normally it. kept by the angels. Uh, I believe Angela had it for a while too. Um, also, the only time Nebula's been as powerful as she could to potentially even take on a god is in Infinity Wars, which became Infinity Warps, uh, when she wielded the Infinity Blade. Um, and guess what? No Infinity Stones, so she can't do that. She doesn't need the Infinity Stones because she she can she gets the she hunts for it. We could have it's it'll be like that that sort of. Um, the mummy expedition where most of the film is her and the team and the graces going searching for this artifact and dealing with the minions of ego that are sent after her and it could be this sort of like like uh, archaeological dig kind of thing and once she finds it then they're able to take him down Caleb, I don't know how to tell you this. This is not Lord of the Rings. There is no blood oath owed to Nebula or anybody else. If the, these ghosts just if these whoever ghosts can... wields the horn has the power in, right, sure enough, but in this world where on they'd have to go to the planet, if these ghosts can hurt, that means they can be hurt, and there's nothing stopping Ego from creating his own ghost army in this planet to counteract them. So, uh, like, it's it's null and void at that point. You, you can't draw that conclusion that if these ghosts hurt, they can't get hurt. That you Ghosts can be hurt in the Marvel, in, in Marvel, in all Marvel things, that ghosts can be hurt. Okay, uh, but you're talking about the ghosts of gods, you're talking about the the spirits of deities that have been trapped for for millennia. Um, even yeah. even if they even if ego can can deal with can fight them off, um, it would take time time enough for for him to be distracted for the graces to infiltrate his core and blow it up. If that's if that's what's necessary. If that's a problem and you need to be able to solve something like that, and you're able to bring in an, an, uh, an item that is so off the table and just random, then all, all ego has to do is he, uh, through his travels in the universe, he found the ultimate nullifier, unfortunately. Has and he ego nullifies... ever wielded the ultimate nullifier in the comics? What's that? Has, has ego ever wielded the ultimate nullifier in the comics? The rules are comic canon doesn't matter. If no, it exactly. doesn't. An argument that movie no, canon. I know if you can make an argument that it can be brought into normal canon. Right. Um, so why wouldn't the ultimate nullifier through all of these space adventures we've been through in Marvel so far? There's no reason why when the Infinity Gauntlet exists, the ultimate nullifier couldn't exist. It could exist. How would Ego get it and how would Ego wield it? He's visited millions of planets and sired children on all of them and murdered them and spent time on all these planets. I'm sure he has more than just the ultimate nullifier. I'm sure he has a whole ho I'm sure if the cosmic cube was separately, it used to be a separate thing from an infinity stone. So I'm sure if we played by those rules, he'd have a cosmic cube at some point. Or he could have a whole host of millions of, of rare and, and, and marvelous, pun intended, objects with which he could <laughs> counteract that. There's so many items. So if we're pulling random like items, if I, I, but I'm it's saying not, that well, it's not random though. The she has specifically wielded this in the comics, which is right. why I'm bringing it in. That's also yeah, why I'm bringing course. in graces. Is I'm making I'm trying to make the argument here without without reaching too far and not and without using the infinity stones that it is something that has. If been you can used. use an item, I can use an item. You can. Ultimate nullifier nullifies the horn. <laughs> that felt so much like a little kid thing it absolutely did uh i am rubber and you are glue and what bounces off me 
Oh boys, you got so mad at each other. Mm. No, we didn't. There's no anger there. You it's just it's just a good it's just a good heated nerd debate. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> All right. Um I'll get Caleb. actually angry at you, Mia, but no. No, that's, I won't. That I is won't. that I is won't. tampering with the judge. I won't. I won't. I'm kidding. Hey, you were trying to curry favor, and now you're trying to be all like picking you can't a fight. do both. You and can't I play it sweet and remember. Then you're not a sour I'm patch a kid. <laughs> you're not a sour patch. Kid. All right, friends. Uh, Caleb, you have one minute closing statements. Okay, um, we've seen Nebula with a team defeat Ego before. Um, and th- I mean, I didn't want to go into Guardians of the Galaxy two, but this w- uh, this in my mind is is close enough to the MCU Nebula where she works together um, with a team uh, that uh, with her sister specifically, and I felt like drawing upon things from the comics because that's what the MCU has done before would uh, would aid in this. So that's why Naglafar Beacon and the Graces, you would get this strong female team, female-only team, something we haven't seen in the MCU yet. Um, And you would have something that is comic canon as a means to defeat this celestial um, without reaching to just the random voids of Marvel, without saying she suddenly has the eye of Agamotto or something she's never really dealt with before. So... Nebula is very intelligent. She's 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 very tactical, and even if the beacon doesn't destroy him, she can. Wrap that up perfectly, right on the nose. Good job. All right, Jake, you have a minute to say why Ego's gonna take it. I would say all items off the table here, just because I feel like if one item is used to say that that, that is the win or the Stark card, as we're calling it, then you could even if I didn't call on the ultimate nullifier, which is the most cosmic-y sort of thing that matches sort of ego, I could use the, the quantum bands that Quasar uses that he could have found at some point or various other items that come into play. So all items off the table, Nebula versus Ego, who wins in the end? Yes, Nebula fought with a team and was able to beat it, but in in this in this film if we're looking at these two villains fighting each other i i rarely see nebula working with anyone else besides her sister and i don't think that it'd be really hard to pull a team together especially if quill the the centerpiece of the team is missing and gone and ego can literally i mean if ego can beat thanos and thanos could beat nebula as he had and then it's 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 just a math equation at that point then ego beats nebula we saw Thanos beat Nebula multiple times, could never beat her. Therefore, in the end, it's Ego. Oh, you guys did not make this easy for me. It's like Birds of Prey versus Kill Bill, two female-centric uh, things that I would totally <laughs> love to watch. Okay. I think that I have to go with Nebula. Yes! And I think it's really just that Ego in the films has already demonstrated that he can be taken down by a team of scrappy people that plan well. And I feel like even in Jake's scenario where she's like on this Kill Bill vendetta, that she would come up with something that would enable him. Like, I feel like Caleb's right. Like, she shows up with this extreme tool. Caleb's just yelling. Or Jake's just yelling profanity. Jake's muted himself and it's just yelling. You know what, Jake? You won a number of these battles last time, and Caleb never yelled at me on mute with his hands. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, he may have like pouted. I, I also want to say, like, we're we're past the, since the conclusion there we go. is everything's has fine been on happening. my end. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Point being, I, 
I think Nebula is cunning enough based on the way that Caleb presented her that she would be able to figure out a way to take this down, be it using the tools that Caleb had mentioned, be it those fail and she's got a scrappy team of intergalactic ladies to, to come up with something else. But I think that Ego has demonstrated weaknesses in the films that Caleb exploited and therefore I'm giving it to Nebula. All right. Yay. My biggest so, point that I was yelling about was that basically it should be Thanos in the seed then is my thought is that's that's my that's my point is like that because if because if the same reason why Nebula wins is the exact same reason why Thanos would win because they're both so cunning but I've lost and that's my point that's the main point I was yelling off on mute <laughs> uh, <laughs> because there's no because there's no okay friends, I mean I would so have now... chosen Nebula too in the fight just so everyone's fully aware <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> A hundred percent, I would have chosen Nebula. Well, just because she's more fun to like play. Yeah, exactly, with. exactly. I mean, you would think Ego having the ability to create everything would be the fun one to play around with because the possibilities are endless. But mm, she is a much, scrappy little lady. Too much, too much power. It is a little bit. Okay, so moving on to our next division. So we're gonna find out who takes the magic bracket. So this is actually another uh, lady heavy fight, which is exciting. Um, so representing this bracket are our number four seed, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, versus our number three seed, Hela. So Hela is hot off a fight with Loki. Uh, that one was super close last time. And ultimately, Jake's argument for Hela took it. And Loki um, loses, baby. This is another scenario where you guys are, your champions are being carried forward. Caleb had successfully defended Wanda Maximoff against Dormammu um, using the Darkhold, amongst other things. So let's see if you keep your champions or you swap it up. Let's spin that wheel. Here we go. <laughs> it's just so anti-climax. I'm used to like a, it started with a bang and this is just rather pleasant. Jake. Jake. Okay, Jake, so you get to pick. Do you want to keep your champion from last time, Hella? Or would you like to take Caleb's champion, Wanda? It's time for Wanda to die. I'll take Hella. Oh. You take Hella. Okay. Right. Good job. I love this. Okay. So, um, yeah, you, as the winner of the wheel, have opening arguments first. So your three minutes starts now. So. Scarlet Witch is now sort of uh, king shit of Mega Mountain here. She's killed Dormammu. She's all powerful. Her children are back. She's found ways to bring them forward um, and out of a different dimension. And she's living in some sort of like awesome, like grown from the ground, like like hex magic castle somewhere, um, flush with dark magic. Um, and uh, in hell... Uh, we we see uh, we see flickers of, of of those who have been injured in this great fight, and Hella learns of what of what's to come, and she thinks to herself that there's really only one person who can wield that power, and that's her. Um, and she tricks because um, in in, uh, in Hell in in Asgard there's there's all sorts of different folks, um, and she makes a deal with Mephisto. We finally bring Mephisto up against. Uh, as we've all wanted for it's so long, Mephisto. it's time. The time is now. And uh, she makes a deal to switch places with Mephisto. Um, and 
Mephisto takes over hell in this sense and starts running the place rampant. Um, but since she's the ruler of proper hell with two L's, she can leave as Mephisto can. Uh, and she makes her way to uh, Earth where she's uh, she's created the new uh, it's like uh, Wonder Gore Mountain or whatever it is in the comics where they say Scarlet Witch is from in the comics and stuff like that. So we sort of have that tie into where she's originally in the House of M and things like that. Um, and she goes, uh, Hela first goes up to, um, up to Norway, uh, where she broke Mjolnir and she puts Mjolnir back together. Uh, and she reforges Mjolnir into her dark hammer. Um, and she, uh, goes back and, uh, she fights Wanda Maximoff in a toe to toe battle. Um, and the problem here is that Wanda has her kids back. And so she would not be as ruthless as she was in the fight to save them as she was against Ormamu. Uh, she would put her life before theirs. And unfortunately in this fight, Hela is ruthless. Hela will do the, whatever she needs to do to get where she, she'll kill her family. She'll go that extra mile. She will be the most powerful person on this planet or any. And she will work her way back to Asgard with Mephisto by her side, which she will also kill Mephisto in the end, of course, because, um, but that would be, that's a whole different sort of battle that would, that's sort of like the final act of the movie. This is actually the middle act of the movie, believe it or not. Um, and we, uh, we have this awesome toe to toe battle, but uh, Wanda lays down her life to save her kids because uh, Hela is willing to kill them. And it's like, it's, Wanda has her by the throat, but she has one of her daggers out at the kid's throat. And she says, she gives them that second being like, you let me go. And they live, and she does, and off off she goes and takes out Wanda. And then the last sort of like 20 minutes is uh, the betrayal of Mephisto and taking back over of Asgard. Interesting. I have things to say, but I don't want to say them yet because I don't want to influence your debate. So no, interesting. Right. All right, Caleb. That was an interesting movie. I can't wait to see it in the realm in which we live where in I the get real to watch world. these movies. Um, <laughs> Caleb, uh, you're defending Wanda and go. I like your, I like your, your start, um, with, uh, with Hela coming back from, uh, from hell, um, to earth. Uh, I'm going to add one little change. Um, uh, she's going to want to make, uh, she's going to want, as she always does, an executioner and who else to offer that first to, um, because the first thing Hela always wants is, uh, is obedience the first thing, first thing she says to to Loki and Thor is kneel, um, and that's what she's looking for from everyone. If they if they comply, then she they're good to go. And I think with her return, it'll uh, even if she makes her dark hammer, um, it'll showcase power. And Wanda, uh, who is very smart and will say even has her kids back, um, wants to protect them, and she will comply and become her executioner. And you'll get this. Uh, this sort of uh, spy-like, not spy, but uh, the, as the movie goes on, she will gain, earn her trust, do what she needs to do because she's been a villain. She's done evil things before, um, but she knows that she can't let Hela reign. So what does she do? She uses her mind magic, which we have seen work on Asgardians in Avengers Age of Ultron 2. Um, Thor gets his mind warped by the Scarlet Witch, and it throws him into the whole Ragnarok vision thing. Um, as a way to uh, to usurp her and distract her enough to take her down, and she's already she's already defeated Dormammu by mortalizing him using the dark hold. She's still got the dark hold. At the very least, she can uh, she can banish uh, Hela to the dark dimension, which is now essentially a void without Dormammu there. Um, 
and uh, and with the the chaos magic and the dark hold and with Hela having no allies, like you said, she'll do anything, but she'll do anything to anyone. So no one will ally with her, whereas Wanda can bring in every living Avenger, all of the possible new Avengers, anyone to help bring her down, or at the very least, banish her and lock her away in a location where she cannot escape, just as Odin did. Um, and I think with her magic and her, uh, her, her desire to protect her kids, she would, she would definitely play the, uh, the ally in the start, um, and use her magic, like I said, to take her down at the end. So, and I yield the rest of my time. Nice. Bold. All right. These are so, these are, there's, you both so bold. All right. You have five minutes of open discussion. And argue, argue, but maybe not. So I think that you hate each other. Oh, we don't hate each other. Come on. We do. Um, <laughs> it, wait, what? Uh, in there is no way after the events of WandaVision that Scarlet Witch would ever, 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 ever agree to being a villain again. So though she is in this bracket, she would never agree to be an executioner for anyone with ill intent. There's no it, way, especially with her kids if, around. If it would save her kids, I don't think even then she would, and that's why I think. Well, then my why point, would she sacrifice herself to save her kids? Because she, she, because she's still doing the right thing at that point. And at this point, Wanda, there's no way she would she would take back and go back down a villain route. She's trying to do what's best, and she's trying to save her kids. And I think anyone who would save themselves, who would sacrifice themselves for the kids, wouldn't be a villain. I don't think that's happening. Whereas Hela does not have those same heroic thoughts like Wanda does. It's tough because we are in a villain bracket. We but are. But at this point, with the You're powers it. that that and Wanda has, there's no way she would willingly become an executioner, especially I that term. Especially that term. I, I would disagree. I mean, Wanda is, it, she's clearly getting more and more powerful. And there's the old saying, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, Wanda does not have absolute power. It is staring her right in the face. Um, and if the option is, is die and leave her kids under the rule of Hela, or be do some questionable things while being able to protect her kids i think she's going to do questionable things to protect her kids just like she did questionable things to create her kids in wandavision i i at that point i disagree because i feel like the whole end of wandavision is her coming to terms being like no i'm not this person i'm not going to keep these people captive i'm going to do things the right way and i'm and yeah sure she will use the dark hold and I think that's still, to, if we remove ourselves from this battle, I still still think that's going to, there's the mistake there's what's going to lead to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's a mistake. I just want to point out, what, why is it in every pitch you have Wanda, like, sacrificing herself? Because she's a hero. Because <laughs> she doesn't get this powerful without being a hero. And she may be in the villain bracket because she's done vil villainy in the past, and she may be an accidental villain. But in the end of the day, she always tries to do the right thing, and she always wants to be a hero in the end. That's why there's no movie where she's a full-on villain. There's no show where she's a full-on villain. In the end, she does the right thing in the end, always. And she would she would lay down her life, just like she's just like she saw with with Hawkeye and her brother, and with with everybody. When you walk out that door, you're an Avenger. And at that moment, she was a good guy going forward. And that's why that scene is one of the best scenes in all Marvel. And that's why I cannot, in any of my pitches, see her turning into a full villain. But this, I mean, it is a villain bracket. And so I think we kind of have to embrace the idea that, you know, these are villains going up against villains. So Wanda, yes, in, in, in the MCU, uh, she has, I would say, 
edged slightly towards towards hero um but she's still like she started as a as an antagonist to the avengers in wandavision she she was the antagonist um and that's not true in it was in agatha civil... all along there's a song about it <laughs> but she was the antagonist of the townsfolk in civil war that she is an antagonist to the people she's i mean she's the MacGuffin that starts the, the civil war or is it civil but war? but in the end she civil always war. wants to do good and i listen we can do villain bracket all day but i'm not going to mm. be untrue to who these characters are and in the end of the day wanda makes mistakes that's what makes one of them one of the most interesting characters in all of marvel but the thing is She's going to do the right thing in the end. She's a good. She is a good person, and that's why, regardless of these things that you're saying, she always works to bring herself back, and she does the work, and she cares so much. She loves so much. Okay. And that love is the reason why WandaVision happened, and that love is there for her children, and she would sacrifice anything and everything, and Hela would take advantage of that. Well, you that love, though, is also what attracts people to her in in the essence of the Avengers and all of her allies. Oh, Hela so you're has changing your argument zero. to no, say no, 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 no. that I'm Avengers just gonna, I'm gonna say if, if you're gonna if, if we're gonna lean towards her being a hero in this movie, um, rather than villainous, she has she has way more allies. Hela has zero allies. She's got none. She can raise dead, but those the, those are not oh, thinking cognitive armies. people. That was a fairly it's not a ghost. good it's, argument. It's a zombie too. army. But but she she ha, she will turn. She was on her all own alone in allies. Wandavision, and she had no help during that. All right, boys. Spicy oh. meatball. It was a spicy meatball. Okay, Jake, you have one minute to close it up. The the problem in the end is this is a villain's bracket, and I'm not going to be untrue or lie about people in the bracket. And the problem here is that Scarlet Witch is a hero so if in this we are looking for who is the best villain right she has villain tendencies she's not a villain through her heart someone needs to be able to make those evil choices to move to the next step to conquer to win to rule and there's one person who has worn the crown and has ruled better than just about anybody else in this bracket because a few of the other people who I think would do well have already been dead. So, um, truly, Hela is the is the better villain in this case. She would take the the hard choices. She would kill for kill. She is a villain through and through. And armed with a brand new reforged Mjolnir, which is rad as hell, might I just <laughs> add. Uh, there's absolutely uh, Asgardian magic versus hex magic. Though powerful, she has a fatal flaw, and that's her new children that she has with her and her love that she holds in her heart. All right, Caleb, you got a minute. Wanda is, uh, she is more of a hero. I mean, they're trying to make her, I mean, they're clearly making her one in the MCU. Um, and that is one of her strengths, though, is she has the allies um, that she needs. And even if her kids were captured, uh, she would go to the ends of the earth to uh, to free them. And she would call upon whoever she needed. Hela has no one. She had to recruit the the executioner uh, in Ragnarok the moment she got there, and even he turned on her. She, well, she's very powerful. When she she didn't really rule Asgard because there was no Asgard to rule. She would just come in. She would try. To, she would kill everything she could kill. But if she's but once she's done, she's she's sitting on a throne of ashes. And so it with Still all of the allies that he's interrupting me. With all of the allies that she had, that which Wanda has, she basically would turn the entire world against Hela, and she would have all of the Avengers, all of the possible mutants, Inhumans, uh, etc. All right, 
Guys, for the first time ever, I have my own, and I think it's better than either of yours. <laughs> That's not fair. Hold on. Okay, I'm just going to take a moment. If Mia was making this fight, I don't need that long. Mia's making this fight. Hello, we'll go with Jake's storyline. Hella shows up. She's all like, Wah. and she's ruthless and awful. And so she kills Wanda's children. And then Wanda wipes her from existence. Period. Period. That's not, that's not what that is though. how that happens. That's, that's what not what happened here. though. She could not, not in this. Not in this fight. That's what happened. I am sorry. Yes, I, I agree with you, Jake. For I eternity. agree with you, Jake. That Wanda is not a villain. But if you kill her children, she will. Fu- she will. She will end you. <laughs> so, anyways, that's me as argument. Okay. Yeah, that so was not brought up. That was not brought up. Gentlemen presented. In general, super interesting. I'm gonna give this one to Jake, and Hella. Wow. I think that was a very I'm good surprise. argument. However, <laughs> I um I think that uh, Scarlet Witch would wipe the floor with Hella in the way that I said, <laughs> which is <laughs> Hella goes a step too far, kills her children, and then Scarlet Witch destroys her. Um, but that's not what happens here. Uh, Hella wins. Yay! I, I, I'm surprised that I took that one. I was I was not certain on that one. So I, again, I'm exciting. doing it by argument, and I felt like you made very good points. And I think you learned from last week, which was good. Okay, yeah, you gotta, so we you have, gotta learn. Okay. You got exactly. You gotta grow. Yeah, you gotta, yeah exactly. You gotta, gotta, gotta yeah. <laughs> All right, so you're one for one, and we have two women moving on to the next round. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Okay, nine. moving on to our machine bracket. So this, these are our top two seeds of this bracket. No one even came close to beating these, these, these contenders. So um, representing the machines is our number one seed, Ultron. Oh, dear. Um, who in our prior battle was represented by Jake. And our number two seed, the Supreme Intelligence, who in our last battle was represented by Caleb. So... Ultron versus the Supreme Intelligence, our number one seed versus our number two seed. And let's see how it goes. I got worried. I forgot the wheel was popping out. I was like, oh, it's gone. This is a very evenly matched, like, like, uh, matchup so far. Jake Caleb, Jake Caleb. Jake, you get to pick again. A lot of pressure. Um, there is. Are you gonna stick with Ultron, or are you gonna switch it up and take the Supreme Intelligence? I'll take Ultron. Ooh, all right. So each of you fighting with your defending champions. All right, Caleb, I mean, Jacob, you're starting. <laughs> you have a three minute opening and go. Uh, with this one, I will say the Supreme Intelligence have has won its many battles. It's uh, the Kree Empire spreading across, and they uh, they decided it is finally time to take Earth. Um, unfortunately for them, Earth is currently uh, the sort of technological uh, hellscape that is Ultron's world now at this point, uh, becoming uh, more and more powerful as he has survived. That's the problem with Ultron. The more time you give him, the more powerful he becomes, the more technology he gets at this point. Dare I say he's probably even finally covered in vibranium as he was planning on. Um, it's very possible. Uh, he almost had it done if it wasn't for those darn Avengers, but he was able to finish it up. Um, 
And it's the problem here is, again, it's it's the weird Batman argument. If you give him enough time, he's going to learn because that's Ultron's whole thing is he learns, he develops, he evolves, he becomes stronger and stronger. So at the, the time as the Krees are coming, I'm sure that Ultron has not only grown uh, – is, is like I said, his uh, vibranium body and everything like that. But he would have started taking uh, control of various satellites and jumping from satellite to satellite. He would have full warning that something was coming. Uh, Earth would become this this really like if if you ever read uh, Annihilation Conquest or sort of like the Phalanx Empire from that, who like it becomes a sort of like techno organic almost thing that spreads from planet to planet. And to make this a little bit more interesting, I think as the Kree spreads, Ultron spreads as well. He's growing for it. So it's like these two empires now. You have the Ultron Empire, which is actually the, the whole point of Phalanx Empire is Ultron becomes the king of the Phalanx and he's the techno-organic like ruler of this massive, expanding, ever ever infinitely alien race. And the Kree, I, I'm almost certain in that, try, this is, I'm not trying to use comics, but there's a very great, it's one of my favorites, which is why I bring it up. And I hope people will read uh, Annihilation and the Annihilation Conquest that follows it up. I shouldn't be pitching. I should be talking about this. Um, but it's, it is like this great, uh, like we see the desperation of Earth and what's, and we have, he has like heroes that are half techno organic that are taking over. He has his own Avengers that he's taken over and created super soldiers out of it and developed it. And it's them going against the Kree. Um, and, and then this battle, I think it's great. I think it's almost like a Star Wars, like ship battles in the air. Uh, like one of the, like they start to make a front. The Kree tries to sneak in and get to it. Um, but I think Ultron's going to be a step ahead. He can develop, he can learn, he can learn how to take over the Kree's technology. We've seen him grow and develop in a, in, Unfortunately, the supreme intelligence is technology. So, what's a greater weakness to Ultron than something that he could hack, he could take over, he could become a part of, and grow himself in, and take that intelligence? Because that's the thing: is as soon as Ultron gets his hands on the supreme intelligence, the Kree Empire folds. He has all of the secrets, all of the knowledge invested in himself, and we've seen from the comics Ultron be able to take over galaxies at a time with the Phalanx and in. If you give him more time, he will grow. He will conquer. He is Ultron. Good arguments. Oh, this is exciting. Okay. Uh, Caleb, you now have three minutes to argue why the Supreme Intelligence is going to take it. Uh, so the, uh, the Kree have something that Ultron does not, and that is they have been watching Earth, Earth longer than Ultron has been alive. We've seen them on Earth in the 90s, um, and they, so they have, they have te dabs on what's going on on this planet. Uh, they know that uh, we'll, I mean, we'll ignore Captain Marvel sort of for, for the sense of, like, we'll assume Ultron took over the Earth. Um, but they've 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 at least been keeping tabs on what's been going on there. And while Ultron will, I'll assume, take over all of our satellite systems um, and see them coming, I think they'll have the the backup information uh, of of what's been what they've been keeping tabs of there. So they, I would say, they would get there. They'd know more about Ultron, who created Ultron, um, possibly even like set up a little bit of a showdown on the moon. Like <laughs> the Inhumans can show up if you want. Um, but, uh, basically calling Ultron out and, you know, he can bring his vibranium, uh, uh, 
body to the moon for for a, a bit of a, a, a fight with Kree military. But while he's doing that, uh, the the supreme intelligence, having genius level intellect beyond anything on uh, we know on Earth, but of all of the Kree geniuses, will have seen into his arrogance that he is take that he is adopted from Tony Stark. And so while they call out Ultron to the moon. Well, he can be, you know, he can be everywhere. They will have the rest of their Kree warships start to glass Earth. They'll just be bombarding it constantly because they know none of his bodies can escape. So, well, he's he's engaged on the moon. The Kree come in on around the other side of the Earth and start bombarding, destroying everything they can. And even when he has time to go back, by that point, they just have they already have the resources of an entire intergalactic empire to wipe out this planet and and rid ultron before it can spread they're quarantining this planet not to use pandemic terms before this virus spreads though and that would be because they would know ahead of time what's going on they would lose contact or or you know they they would have the forewarning because they've been already keeping tabs on earth and they would know that ultron would be a problem before ultron knew it was a problem are you conceding your time oh yeah I'll, i'll concede the rest of my time Nice. Interesting. This was the first one that you didn't come to with like a wacky movie idea. <laughs> or did, did you and Jake have the exact same idea? I think Jake and I had the exact same. I had a different idea for what to do with Ultron if, mm. if, if I'd gotten Ultron. But That's fun. Uh, you I are like prepping that. for Ultron. I really oh. want, I mean, I'll, I'll tr- <laughs> I mean, let's be real, Jake. Ultron's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I would have wanted to defend Ultron. I, I mostly wanted Ultron because it's literally like the the whole plot of one of my absolute all-time favorite comics so all right you guys five minutes put up your dukes uh, my quick my quick counter caleb is how does quarantining on earth go if, if we learned anything about that how does how does quarantining go on the planet earth well when just use a little a little uh local this is an uh, outside <laughs> source coming in and quarantining oh, the I people just... of earth the... I, you served up that ball. I wanted to hit it back just to be like. It's no, not a that... voluntary quarantine where we're asked to quarantine yeah, no. ourselves. That I'm just saying well. Earth quarantine clearly does not go well. And I think that's something that's an important point to be considered. That's because uh, Earth quarantine is being organized by people, not by a supreme intelligence AI of the top geniuses of an entire empire, intergalactic empire. My only thing is I don't foresee Ultron's ability to move from body to body and to develop himself and to move from ship to ship at that point at such a rapid rate and without really being able to contain Ultron in a, in a, in a real means because uh, there's nothing like him. He's, he's such a unique, even in the world that we've seen in MCU at this point, there's nothing else that exists quite like him. Um, and the, and the earth is very lucky that they were able to stop him when they did, because if he was able to get out and I'm not convinced he's gone forever in, in the MCU either. Uh, I, I really am you not. Hope. I think I, I do hope, but I, yeah, I think I like too. Ultron is such an, uh, a character that it's, he's so hard to kill and he's always been hard to kill. I think um, the, the major weakness sorry. that we're sort of overlooking, um, is even if you go back and watch age of Ultron, um, he is wireless between his own bodies, but he is not wireless between other devices. He had to physically uh, 
like log in or like use his cords or whatever to actually access any ship he got into when he gets into the Quinjet. <laughs> he pilots the Quinjet. Um, I did. I do love that. Um, but I, my, but, my counter to that would be that through time, I'm sure, because much if we're using comic information, he gets to a point, especially if he starts developing sort of like this techno organic virus that can spread, where that's sort of part of him, and he's sending parts of himself out, and he Ultron sort of becomes. He, he becomes almost like a symbiote, for lack of a better term, that takes things over. And my counter is that the Kree already are keeping tabs on Earth. They already know the planet exists. They already know that it is a threat um, and that there are things that, like, the. I don't think. Going I don't on. think that's. I, my only disagreement with that is then why haven't they interfered as a yet beyond the fact of the events of Captain Marvel? They have, like, there's because so much that happened on the Earth. The events of Captain Marvel. They. they because Captain Marvel specifically says this planet is under my protection. Exactly. Um, so in that sense, with Captain Marvel not there and giving Ultron time to grow, the, the Kree aren't going to come to Earth. The, They've well, been told they cannot come to Earth. So that's going to give Ultron that time to spread, and they're not going to meet until he's become much more powerful for that exact reason. But the, when it becomes a very clear threat um, – because they would still keep tabs on they would like you don't you don't just we don't like, we don't when, know when there's that. a threat you don't completely like close your eyes to it just to avoid it you you would still keep keep an idea of what's going on uh and how, and how would they do but how is the question if they're not we don't know of any Cree that are close we know that carol's not letting them know um because carol's been gone for a very long time uh, so what? How are they keeping tabs? How are they able to prep and gain? They can this have secret agents there. There are there are Cree. Oh, what are I they? See. The pink skin Cree that that would know. Um, and they they have a supreme intelligence who would, uh, I mean, who pred predicts these sort of things and tracks what what every Cree should be doing and what what the th major threats are and what how to proceed with with their like military decisions and. I think you. I think another point is you mentioned the arrogance of Ultron, but I think the mm -hmm. arrogance of the Supreme Intelligence is also equally as much as a crutch. Where being a Supreme Intelligence and thinking that you are the ultimate be-all, the king of or queen or uh, a non-gendered term for a rule, an emperor of of this. Uh, that's I guess that's gendered too, because it's empress. I don't know a non-gendered term for like a ruler. Um, President. A ruler, just a, a president. Yeah. yeah, very good. I'm the president of the universe. We just uh, haven't seen a lady. Afod Beeblebrox. Jake, but you um, know. No, no. Hey, I know the president is good. I just, I was just, I just had that shocking realization that there's no term that's not. I was like, emperor is one. I'm like, no, that's not it either. Um, anyway, uh, that sh being such a strong, powerful, all th in thinking you have the answer for everything, and not being prepared for literally a virus, a, a technology, a technology technological based virus well exactly you're assuming that's a nightmare so, for the uh, supreme intelligence so the kree are an intergalactic empire they they have dozen probably hundreds of worlds they stretch across you know dozens of galaxies there's who's dozens say, of us dozens say they haven't they haven't seen an ai rise before this is this is they're not the first with that's ai that's conjecture though right that's the ultron's all alone minutes. on earth he's not all alone he has all of his drones that's uh, time's up time's up time's up <laughs> All right, you each get a minute to wrap. Jacob, take it away. Uh, I really think that what happens is it's this, it, again, it's this developing of his presence in his mind that becomes this techno-organic virus and it begins to take over Earth. So you do get these awesome ratted out like uh, Captain America with like half robot parts and like being controlled by Ultron. You have these heroes, you have these people of Earth that have been taking over and it begins to spread and it takes over uh, it makes its way to Titan. It makes its way out of the galaxy. It makes its way through the various things and it begins to spread. There's no way, Ultron 
can begin to pilot. We know that there's ships that can get out there that can that he can develop. He can create. He's a genius. He's he's a Tony Stark and Bruce Banner level genius. He can spread himself through the stars. There's nothing stopping him. And once he starts to spread and he has that time to grow, there's nothing the Kree can do to stop him because he will begin to take over these alien planets and grow stronger with each planet he takes. Ultron is the ultimate evil in that sense because he is what's the biggest evil that's harmed the world is technology in many ways and he is that evil personified nice good closer all right caleb a minute to you sir the supreme intelligence has everything ultron would have if it had already expanded to the size of the kree empire the kree empire is already ranging across multiple planets they they already are dealing in ai uh, Ultron is a, a prototype AI, essentially, that Tony Stark built, and it has one planet um, by the time the Kree are going to enter, enter, enter this battle, if you will. And so they would have, they would have uh, worlds and geniuses from across world intelligence on AI, rampant AI, AI code. Who's to say they don't know? They, they don't just, uh, with their human, or not human, but their Kree military, just electromagnetic pulse the crap out of Earth, shut down all technology, then Ultron's got nowhere to go, and the Supreme Intelligence is safe back on the Kree homeworld. Ultron is, is vulnerable to anything electronic, and the Supreme Intelligence, while also vulnerable to that, has the human aspect to, to overrule those weaknesses. Also, wicked strong closer. All right. Um, this is really tough because, one, you both kind of conceded this whole idea of Earth as the battlefield type scenario. So the idea of, like, Ultron overextending himself trying to get to the Kree is gone. It's really, like, can the Supreme Intelligence take Ultron on his home turf, which is interesting. And then it's also interesting because Caleb in his movie pitch is very much going with MCU Ultron, who is much more limited versus Jake in your version. We've started as MCU Ultron, but we've evolved and we have these new powers and we've created this techno organic virus. And I think which oh, is comics based. So it's yeah, the same. no, I yeah. it's, it's interesting. I, I loved the darn Avengers. If it weren't for those darn Avengers line, like Scooby, <laughs> Scooby game. that cracked me up. Um, very interesting. So I think Ultron has a good upper hand in that we're on his home turf. He's got some resources and some new, new things that the Kree might not be prepared for. I think that Caleb, you brought up some really good points about Ultron adopting Tony's weaknesses and then Jake, your counter with as the Supreme Intelligence has adopted the Kree weaknesses. Those are both really good. Um, huh. I am going to give this one to Caleb and the Supreme Intelligence. So that is genuinely surprising. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know, the thing that really kind of the argument that Caleb made that I think, or yeah, that Caleb made that I thought was really sound that kind of got me there was the whole combination of organic Cree people and the machinery versus Ultron, who's always recognized that as being part of his weakness. And yes, we now have this techno-organic virus where he's controlling everything, but he has to like constantly be controlling it versus the Cree have these self-sustaining driven 
organic creatures that minds that of their own yeah i, I also like, think i, really I also think organic there's avengers no way. fighting for I, ultron I, too i, I, I love say, that love I, that i want to see jake's as a movie oh absolutely jake sure. like that would have been like everything you said would have 100 percent been mm-hmm. my argument too I, yeah it, that was my best movie pitch i just want to put that out there it was great oh it was great. As far as so, movie pitches go, so, yeah, you won that's this just, one. That's I just, just think that, something like, I'm thinking about. <laughs> I think it would be fantastic. Okay, so I'm giving that one to the Supreme Intelligence. So that's going to Caleb. Oh, but I want to watch that movie. I think, Jake, your movie's freaking I awesome. That was, I thought that was part of the argument, was the good movie portion of it. And so I thought it I is. had it. Oh, no. It was, it, real, it was real interesting. I just, yeah. It was real interesting, and I would watch that 150%. You guys okay. really should read Annihilation Conquest by Dan Amnett and Andy Lanning. It's one of the best comic books. It's also where the first appearance of the modern Guardians of the Galaxy uh, appeared. So I just loved envisioning the techno-organically infested Captain America that you brought. It would be a good what right. if. So the Supreme <laughs> Intelligence has to take on the techno-organic Avengers as well as Ultron, and then that's there's no way. So, Jake, is this drink number four? Three. <laughs> three it's friday i had a long week i feel you man all right so we're going into our last Thanks, battle of the night <laughs> and our final division so the mortals have Ooh. two representatives trying to make their way into the final four our number five seed baron zemo versus our number three seed justin Eric hammer <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> no not justin hammer um, so this should be an interesting battle. Uh, Jake represented both Zemo and Killmonger in our prior episode. He swept those last couple. These battles. are my boys. These are my sweet, sweet yeah. boys. Yeah. So let's see. Let's see what happens here. This should be interesting. All Spin right. that wheel. Oh, oh I thought it was gonna be me, but it wasn't I thought it was gonna be you for a second too, Mia. It's I was like, oh, my gosh, who's getting who? Because I don't know what to do. Uh-oh. All right, Caleb. What crazy movie does Caleb have pre-planned you already? You have your pick between pre-planned. Helmet Zemo and Killmonger. Oh. All right. This is the hardest choice, so I do not envy you for making it. This is a hard choice. Uh, I am going to go with Zemo. Zemo. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, Caleb, with the opening three minutes, you are cleared to pitch your movie. All right. Let's imagine a universe uh, where instead of dying against Black Panther, Killmonger uh, lives and escapes. Um, you know, and. Imagine if you will. Imagine if you will. And so, who do the who who do the, who do they call upon to track down um, a super soldier? Because that's what that's what Killmonger is at this moment. But the man who has killed the most super soldiers, Mister Helmut B- Baron Helmut Zemo. Um, I think uh, we we've th- th- this is kind of funny because every every matchup that Zemo has had this 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 bracket has been against a super soldier of one kind or another, and I think this would be his toughest opponent. Um, Killmonger is, he's smarter than Blonsky. Um, I don't know, who was the other one he went up against? Um, oh, Winter Soldier. Uh, he just outdoes Winter Soldier completely. But Killmonger, um, Killmonger has a good kill record. He has military tactician, uh, tactical skills, um, and he's pretty relentless. 
so I, I think this would be the toughest fight. Um, but I I believe that in this in this scenario, Zemo is going to track him down, and he's going to do all of his research. He's gonna like he's he knows he knows uh, all of his track record, all of what um, what what drives um, Killmonger. And he knows that one of the things that makes Killmonger who he is is that he is um, he's so driven by power and by ruling and nothing and no one will get in his way. So what he needs to do is put Killmonger in a position where he uh, he will sacrifice uh, his 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 as they say in like Batman Begins he'll he'll sacrifice his footing for a killing blow. Because he, because as we've seen, Zemo has no, uh, he has no qualms about dying. He tried to kill himself before, but he is dead set on getting rid of super soldiers. And so if, if it, if it takes his own demise to kill, to get rid of Killmonger, he will do it. And I think Z- uh, Zemo is the only person intelligent enough to get Killmonger into that position uh, where he where basically he sacrifices his footing for a killing but where he where he uh will draw killmonger out into that into that fight um where he can be defeated i don't really <laughs> and i will concede the rest of my time you only had like four seconds or like seconds <laughs> yes now, so it i knew much. that <laughs> <laughs> i was like just about to put my hand up and give you a countdown when you said you could yeah for anyone who doesn't know i'm just doing like i'm like a tv producer like silent air counts for the guys because i'm a nerd all right jake you have three minutes to defend killmonger so a couple quick notes i mean he's not a super soldier he's got the power of a black panther that's that's something totally different he's not he's that's that's a cultural thing that has nothing to do with uh the super soldier serum or anything like that that's not against he didn't want to kill T'Challa for being the Black Panther. He wouldn't have this vendetta against uh, Killmonger because in my it, I, it, last time we did this fight, he had the power of the the flower and the power of Wakanda behind him. He was the king of Wakanda at the time, is what we we're using. And that's sort of I've been uh, I've been thinking of using that sort of because again, it's all the powers and abilities that he had, and we, we used that last time, and we was agreed upon. So my my problem here is that. Uh, we've had a lot of luck with, with Zemo where he's been going against exactly the thing, winter soldier uh, and, and all, all these things that he's been built to fight against. Right. He doesn't, he, the fight, his fight is not with Killmonger. His, his, his whole, his, I don't think his heart would be in it as much as it, of course he'd give everything he has. Helmet is a, is a fantastic opponent, but he doesn't have that drive to stop. It. It's not an affront to God. Like he feels with the others. Um, so why would he be fighting him? Uh, he needs something from Wakanda and he's, and maybe, maybe and the other thing that uh, I think as I'm sort of forming the movie in my head, I think it's important to note before I jump in is that who stopped Zemo at the end of civil war black Panther did. Um, and what would happen at the end with black Panther is that he, uh, I mean, like if you had instead Eric Killmonger in that position, stopping him, he wouldn't have saved his life. Helmet Zemo would be dead already if you had someone with the ruthlessness of Eric Killmonger in that same exact position. So regardless of that, in the movie, I think uh, Killmonger, ruler of of, uh, of Wakanda at this point, uh, a bit more ruthless, the world, uh, Wakanda is spreading through might as opposed to trade. 
um and uh they attack some sort of they 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 take over and i think zemo sees that as a threat like this sort of invasion this this new wakanda that has been taking over in this villainous wake um and he tries to stop him um but do i see zemo as 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 great as his plan would be as exciting as it would be to see that man sneaking into wakanda and i think he would um i don't think i think the only thing that could stop zemo's genius and Zemo's ability and his 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 chutzpah, if you will, is the science and the ability of Wakanda, uh, backed by the science and ability of Wakanda, uh, and and just the sheer power of the Black Panther um, that Eric Killmonger would have at this point. Uh, he's he's the ruthless killing machine, and it took only another Black Panther to stop uh, to stop him in the movie. And he just in Helmet doesn't have that ability. He's great. He's I want I want him to be the man to win, but he does not have the powers of a Black Panther. And that's the only thing that stopped Eric Killmonger. Nice. All right. I get all excited when you guys talk. Okay, you have five minutes to open discuss and discuss. Black Panther didn't stop uh, uh, Zemo. Zemo sat down on a rock and waited for Black Panther to show up. Zemo has never been caught unless he wanted to be. It's it, we talked about it a couple times now. He is he's intelligent. He's slippery. He's got all the training of a spy and the Sokovian military, which is crazy. Um, I mean, it's sad to see Sokovia have been destroyed after what Zemo was able to do. Um, but in addition to that, he like he he just won't be caught. And with his with his spy skills, with his espionage skills, um, he can a hundred percent infiltrate Wakanda. I, I would say, if, if of anyone, he could infiltrate Wakanda. Not uh, not necessarily just by himself, but we we've. I mean, we can establish that Killmonger, while on the throne, is not liked by everyone in Wakanda. So, and to your point here, you said he was going to win because Zemo was going to draw him out. In yes. this scenario, you've just said he's not drawing Killmonger out. He's, he's going choose, into Wakanda. Well, he, he's going and to I choose the moment to draw him out. Draw him out is a Killmonger is too let smart me... a warrior and too smart of a, a strategist to allow to be to allow himself to be put into that scenario. I would, and Zemo would know what his strategies are. He would know what his training is because all of his training is is in the American uh, government database, which has been which he could easily crack into i think killmonger has those exact same skills though he has the espionage he did in the beginning of of all of black panther the, he the, was more the military tactics he did i would say Still, though, that's like that's something that's not black that's not ops is different than espionage espionage is 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 about information black ops is about operations that are uh are more like under wraps um, and this operation to kill helmet zemo sounds like exactly the job for eric killmonger <laughs> He's going up against the greatest spy of all time, who has never been. That's caught. Nick Fury. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? That would be a different. I want to debate that later. Um, but in in between the two of them, uh, Zemo is is I would I would argue far more intelligent, far more crafty, um, has is far more charismatic than Killmonger, um, and. Uh, is better at having allies. He he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to get information in surreptitious ways. That's a big word. And uh, Killmonger is much more brute force. He he can be he can be 
clever when he wants to be, but I think he's always going to be outmatched intellectually by Zemo. I, abs- um, I have to absolutely his, disagree his with that only because we saw Eric literally take over a kingdom. He took over uh, and, and then was dethroned. Yeah, by another Black Panther who equaled his strength and ability. <laughs> by his personal guard. What? He had to fight the, the uh, crap, what are they called? Uh, the the Dora Milaje. The Dora Milaje turned on him. His personal guard, once he took over that kingdom, turned on him. That, I think that given is, the... He's not very good at rallying allies, whereas we've seen Baron Zemo go up to random people on the street and gain their favor. They were kids, but he, he is better at talking to people, getting information. I and... still think even in Wakanda, even with, I think if you give, uh, if in this world where sort of he is embraced as the king, uh, even an outsider coming into Wakanda would not be, I think they would take care of the outsider before they were dealing with anything else. You're, you have to understand that, that Zemo, anywhere else in the world, Zemo gets the nod here. The problem is he's going to Wakanda. Well, and there's, what and if, aha, then let's say, what's the greatest way to draw that king, that warrior king out of Wakanda? Oh, well, you know who's popped up? The man who killed T'Chaka. The man who was responsible for the death of T'Chaka. We've seen the king of Wakanda leave Wakanda to track them down before when they thought it was Bucky. Yeah, but who now they, they know they it's the, Baron Zemo. So who did they send the next time though? The Dora who tracked him down and would have won if it wasn't for uh, our dear, dear good friend, the U.S. agent. Those they have a ruthless <laughs> again, killing team who would escaped. track him on his own. Yeah, uh, of course he escaped. But yeah. I don't think Killmonger. There's no way Killmonger is not smart enough. He knows how dangerous this man is. And he is just as dangerous to the plan. He's a man who can put together a plan and conquer anything, including an entire kingdom. But oh, and that's the end of your five minutes. Caleb <laughs> just did like finger things, spirit what fingers getting, at the end of his argument. Spirit <laughs> fingers. They're my like plotting. It's my excellent. Felt like spirit fingers. Okay, um, you so each have fun. a minute to close, starting with. It's me. Jake, you picked it. Caleb picked it. Who picked Caleb, what? Caleb picked, I picked it. it. Caleb picked it. I should write things down. Caleb, your turn. Uh, all right. Baron Zemo, what are his strengths? He's never been caught. He has managed to convince the entire world that uh, that Bucky Barnes killed the, the king of Wakanda. He managed to convince all the Avengers that Bucky Barnes killed the killed the king of Wakanda until like the and then led them into their own civil war. He led the Avengers into their own civil war. Who's to say he can't do that to the kingdom of Wakanda itself? He knows the, there's a very obvious way to get Killmonger out of uh, out of Wakanda because he's responsible for the death of a former king of Wakanda. And as we know, what the people of Wakanda believe in with their kings, if they want to follow them, is that they will be tracked down. We saw in that council meeting in Black Panther, they wanted. Uh, they wanted Black Panther. They wanted T'Challa to tra- track down. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, but uh, Andy Serkis. Um, and I, I think Zemo can outplot the brute force of Killmonger. Nice. All right, Jake. One minute to close it up. I think uh, bringing Killmonger down to his brute force does him a great disservice, only because in the beginning he's so intelligent. He's so smart. He's in that museum, and he's you see the side of him that he's plotted every move five steps ahead, much like Zemo does. 
and he has those same abilities to plan ahead, to be thoughtful, to think of the of the of the the underhanded move that gets them just one more step ahead, one more closer to his goal. And the thing is, is Killmonger is ruthless. One hundred percent will kill whomever he needs to kill. The body littered with bo- his body is literally littered with the ghosts of the bodies that he has killed with every body modification he has made. He's willing to do whatever he has. And Zemo has a code. We see him have a code. And that's the thing Killmonger does not. He's not dumb enough to fall into a trap. He's not dumb enough to go to his terms. He knows what Zemo's done. He knows to prepare. He will be just those steps ahead as well. Eric Killmonger is the ultimate strategist and was able to take down the greatest kingdom in Marvel. Oh, goodness. Um, Holy cow. This is definitely the toughest one. You guys were actually very interesting in your back and forth. Like, I I thought you both just brought up these, you know, Zemo's the best spy. No, it's Nick Fury. Zemo's never been caught unless he wanted to get caught. And I just, oh my gosh, the back and forth is great. Um, I thought, caught, <laughs> I thought that Jake, you brought up some really good points when you came to your um, opening, including immediately being like, Killmonger's not a super soldier, so Zemo's not going to be driven the way he was before. Caleb, I thought you had an incredibly strong close when you started. You touched on it a little bit, but then when you brought it into your close about the idea of, of Zemo taking down Killmonger by creating a Wakandan civil war, just like he did with the Avengers, is such a good point because Killmonger did take Wakanda by force. It was not really by, I mean, he did follow the rituals and things of the Wakandan people, but ultimately you knew that there's a segment in there that are not happy that they have to be faithful or loyal to him. And the idea of Zemo kind of repeating civil war, but targeting the Wakandans this time, very interesting. Oh, that being said, I think Jake brought up some really good points that the only way you're really going to be able to take Killmonger is to get him out of Wakanda. And I don't think Caleb, you really convinced me, is going to get him out. Oh, I'm so torn. I think I got to give it to Jake and Killmonger. Ludicrous. I just, wow, though. Kudos to you both. That was very, very well fought on both sides i think this is another one where i think jake you win it but caleb i want to see your movie more <laughs> doesn't it hurt doesn't it sting yeah. when that happens <laughs> okay so that is the end of our fights tonight so we have four people moving into our final four <laughs> yeah we'll see how long killmonger lasts against the supreme intelligence <laughs> the power of wakanda baby they stopped an invasion <laughs> all right that so, one's for free if you get it. That one's for free. Moving on next week in our final four are from the alien bracket, Nebula. From the magic bracket, Hela. From the machine bracket, the Supreme Intelligence. And from the mortal bracket, Killmonger. Next week's episode, we will go through our final four and our championship. I'm so excited. You guys did really good this week. We had a we had a two for two. We did we have did. a two for two. <laughs> That's like the I first will, time it landed even. Two, uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, I think the first week it also was even. And the first one it was even, yeah. yeah. I, was it? Okay. No. 
All right. Uh, well, this is the point where that sweet, spicy. Uh, uh, it's sweet and spicy. It's sweet and spicy. Uh, wow, like a Thai in. chili sauce. I'll do some. Um, I don't think we did and... any. Uh, Mia, you get five pizza points. I'm, I'm not giving anyone pizza points. I'm just taking. <laughs> there well, it is. While while Caleb does some nah, Boo. five points because that's what she's. <laughs> One more point to Mia. Um, we would love for you all to give us points. As in ratings on whichever <laughs> podcast app you are listening to, please like. Do, and do they call them podcatchers? And tell your friends. Um, we'd love for people to listen to our podcast. Go on um, YouTube and watch us look, uh, you know, fine as we say words <laughs> on the YouTube. So, in third place this week is Jacob Cody with zero points, but uh, thank three you. drinks. <laughs> that's all. That's all. Daddy needs. In second place this week is me with the last minute Hogwarts five points. Thanks to Mia. And in first place is our fearless moderator, Mia Foley Perrin. With, yeah, with six points. I, I think that's s- the lowest point total to ever win. Yeah, what one well we were Normally just being, it's like we were being so spicy. Yeah. We were we were in this time. You were yeah, really, we had we had arguments were, to have. You yeah. really did. I want to send a special shout out to our listeners um, that uh, Mia's mom. Hi, mom. Yeah, I want to send a special shout out to Hi, Mia's mom. mom. Cause Mia's like, mom. I, I'm mom. pretty sure yeah, on our podcast thing, it breaks down our demographic of listeners. And um, there's a 1% that I'm pretty sure is Mia's mom. So special shout out to Mia's mom. Hi, mom. Um, Hi, Mia's mom. You're all our moms now. You are. You've adopted more children. My mom loves Caleb, so how does she feel about me? She's never met you. <laughs> That's a fair point. I've never point. met you. That's also we a fair still point. Still have never met. Yeah, Are you? A point. Yeah. I'm not real. W- one day. God, I wish I could fade away out of this box right now just to make the joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Snap. That's us I'm, for all. I'm gonna drink another and... sip of my whiskey. Ready? That's <laughs> your NPR host, Itchy Pizza Finger. Everybody. <laughs> It's not good to drink whiskey slow. It makes it hard. <laughs> don't do anyone. Everyone don't do that. Okay, Jake. Camilla. That's us for all. Thanks for joining each other. And Have you a good can, night. Well, you can, happy Memorial Day. Happy See you in yours. Memorial Day. Uh, a and, uh, goose. Tune in next week when we will finish out this bracket for good. And then after that, Loki. the Loki series. Yeah. You get our sweet boy back. Loki. All right. I'm bye, so everybody. Excited. Goodbye. Bye, all the people.